Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome into another episode of the Legal Toolkit on the Legal Talk Network. Hi, Mom. Thanks for listening. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. I am your host, Jared Correa, and in addition to casting this pod, I'm also the Assistant Director and Senior Law Practice Advisor with the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program. LOMAP provides free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org. You can also buy my book, Twitter in One Hour for Lawyers, from the American Bar Association on iTunes or at Amazon. My co-host, Heidi Alexander, is with you again next month, when you will have only to pine for my return the month after. On the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, we're going to talk about e-discovery, because traditional discovery is just so non-electronic. As e-discovery pervades more and more practices and practice areas, it becomes more and more important for solo and small firm lawyers to at least have a cursory understanding of the process. So, let's release the foxhounds. Kyle Elbert is our guest today. Kyle is a managing partner at Foxhound Information Management a sweater vest aficionado, and his profile picture on Skype makes him look like a Ryan Gosling lookalike. He's a senior information technology manager with over 18 years of experience in ESI management, computer networking, mobile and web development, databases, service administration, end user support, and project management. That's a lot of stuff for one person to know. At Foxhound, Kyle conducts forensic acquisition and preservation of ESI, manages document processing operations, and supports e-discovery, document review, database administration, and data mining. He's particularly adept at managing resources in line with schedule and budget, providing training and support, and making workflow and technology recommendations. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jared. I am really excited to be here. I've been listening to the show for a little over a year but I do have to say, I in my podcast listener, I usually listen to podcasts on one and a half speed. So you sound a little bit strange at normal speed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll try to slow it down or speed it up <laughs> as you wish. <laughs> uh, and Kyle, just so you all know who are out there listening, he was very patient waiting for me to arrive today. He's a saintly man. You ready to, you ready to do this thing? And I'm a fan. Ready. And a fan of the show. Absolutely. You can, join the, you can join the fan club with my mom. This is very exciting. The meetings <laughs> have been sparsely populated thus far. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about e-discovery and some other stuff. Um, sure. So let's, let's begin at like a very basic level for you. So ESI, what does that stand for? What does it mean? And then can you outline sort of the major differences between traditional discovery and e-discovery? Yeah, sure. So ESI, and, and one of the things we're going to talk a lot about today are a lot of the jargon terms that are associated with this field. And unfortunately, there's quite a few of them. Yeah. Uh, but ESI uh, just stands for electronically stored information. And so it's just a fancy way of saying uh, any 
data or information that's stored electronically or, or you can say digitally too if you want. So, I mean, if you think about it, uh, all of us today are, are doing things on email and we're, we're, you know, we work on our computers all the time and we're not dealing with a lot of paper anymore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so really, ESI is, is most everything that we do in our day-to-day lives these days, whether it's social media or email or, or texting or, or what have you. And so the way that relates to, to lawyers is uh, when we're talking about discovery, right, and we all should know as lawyers what discovery is, hopefully. Um, <laughs> yes, let's hope. <laughs> so we, we won't go into a lot of explanation about what discovery is, but uh, e-discovery is just uh, basically the, the same process of discovery but dealing with electronically stored information or ESI, right? So you're mm. – instead of dealing with – like in the old days, you had boxes and boxes of paper – and you know yeah. now that's just not true anymore. Now you've you've got to worry about collecting uh, emails and and other electronic documents. And uh, the problem is that it's easy to say that well, e-discovery is just like regular discovery, except everything's digital. Yay! Uh, <laughs> but it's not that simple because once you've made everything digital and it's scattered all over the place in different systems, it starts to become really complicated in a hurry. And it, it doesn't help that most lawyers aren't super technologically savvy. Uh, I think the listeners of your show are, are a little bit of different. Course. They're, they're more, you know, if you're listening to a podcast as an attorney, you're definitely uh, more tech savvy than, than most. But, mm-hmm. but regardless of how comfortable you are with technology, you know, when you're talking about uh, doing discovery with electronic data, uh, there's a lot of different processes involved and there's, there's different terms that you have to understand. And uh, sometimes you have to educate the judge on some of this stuff too. So it, it gets complicated in a hurry. So it was all sounding so simple until the very end there. Um, now, what if you've got an attorney who has never had to deal with e-discovery before? Do you think there's a likelihood at some point, and I think I probably know the answer to this, that that attorney is going to have to deal with e-discovery? And so how much should an attorney who doesn't necessarily deal with e-discovery uh, issues on a regular basis bone up on the subject? What I like to tell people is if you're, if you're dealing with discovery and you're dealing with any electronic data, you're already doing e-discovery. So there's this notion out there amongst some attorneys that e-discovery is this big, scary, uh, crazy process that only like the, the AMLAW 100 firms have to deal with and it's only in like really huge cases. But the reality is it, it's becoming just the way we do litigation these days, you know? And yeah. so what I tell attorneys is, look, you may not think you're doing a discovery, but you probably are. And you may not be doing it very well, but, uh, but you are doing it. And, and uh, <laughs> the, the problem that could really bite you is there's two problems. One is if mm-hmm. you come up against um, opposing counsel that really knows what they're doing when it comes to electronic discovery, they can really hammer you if you aren't really familiar with the uh, processes and what are the best practices. And if you don't have a good process and workflow in place for you and your team, and if you don't have some good tools to use for it, you can really get in trouble just just in the sense of, you know, trying to do the best you can for your client. So that's one of the reasons. And then, and then frankly, sometimes you're, I mean, you may get into a, a case where you're, maybe you're in federal court and, you know, you've got a judge who who understands it a little bit. And if you don't have at least the basic understanding of what you need to know. And if you need to, you know, even knowing 
sometimes, you know, they say just you need to know enough to know that you don't know everything, right? Or to, or to know what questions to ask. So <laughs> yes, sometimes yes. that's important too, right? It's just knowing that, okay, maybe I can't handle this completely at my firm, but I know enough to know when I need to go get some help from an, from an e-discovery service provider and what kind of help I need to be looking for. Yeah, that's sort of the original Socratic method, right? You got to know what you don't know. So right, exactly. we, we've got some internal and external issues to deal with. And I think you're right that attorneys may not think about that because a lot of them are siloed. But if somebody on the other side really knows what they're doing in e-discovery, they could probably really sink your case pretty quickly, I would think. Yeah, we've, we've seen it. I mean, we've, we've had clients come to us who, uh, who have said, you know, I just got burned on a case because the other side was really good at this and I wasn't. And what we try to help them do is kind of learn how to get good at it so that they're not going to find themselves in that situation again. Cool. Okay. So e-discovery, important topic. I think we can both agree on that. It's either here for you now or it's coming for you. So do you remember the X-Files, Kyle? The X-Files oh, is yes. returning to Fox? Okay. I've been talking yes. with, your, with your colleague, Tracy Gartman, about that. Um, right. Now that it's back on the air, I'm afraid my wife is going to try to leave me for David Duchovny. However, um, <laughs> If you've got like your Mulder and Scully big flashlights out and you're trying to begin your voyage of e-discovery as a curious lawyer who doesn't really know a whole lot about it, how would you suggest somebody start? You know, there actually are a lot of great resources out there on the web. There's some fantastic blogs. You know, it's like anything. There's, it's one of those subjects where once you start looking for it, you're going to be able to find a ton of good resources. There is a great uh, blog by a guy named Craig Ball. And you can just Google Craig Ball eDiscovery and you're going you're gonna to land on his site. And he yeah. puts out tons of um, sort of white papers, like short books in PDF form that you can just grab for free. He has a great blog um, called On the Ball that uh, where he talked yeah very clever and he talks <laughs> a lot about these these issues and I I actually used his his site a lot you know when I when we started Foxhound a couple of years ago I was coming at this from a background in technology but I had never really done this um, in relation to the legal field and didn't really know a whole lot about e-discovery so I had to get up to speed mm. myself so yep. um, his site is really good for that there are some great uh, videos on YouTube. Um, in fact, we did a, a video, um, not to toot my own horn, but we did a video a couple months ago with the American Bar Association, and they did it via Google Hangouts, and they recorded it and put it up on YouTube. Hmm. And um, it's sort of an eDiscovery 101. It's like a one-hour presentation, and the title of that was eDiscovery for the Small Firm Lawyer. So if someone just goes to YouTube and searches for that, it's like the number one hit there. So oh. um, that's not a bad place to start. And then when you want to start diving a little bit more deeply, you can do things like you can go to the Sedona Conference website. The Sedona, mm -hmm. Sedona Conference is a group of uh, attorneys and judges and people in the industry and folks who regularly come together to try to um, help shape the, the guidelines. And the, the federal courts look to Sedona a lot for shaping the, the rules of civil procedures as, as it relates to e-discovery. Yeah, Craig Ball, Sedona Conference. I, I, that's what I've heard from several e-discovery lawyers as well. Now, did you just say you were not a lawyer? I, that's true. I am not a lawyer. I am a, I'm a tech guy. I'm a programmer. I've done you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I've had to, I've had to learn the, the world of, of the legal profession somewhat. And, and so I kind of look at the, the IT world and the legal world as sort of 
you know, mirror images of each other almost because we each have a lot of, you know, jargon and a lot of uh, terms that are very mysterious to outsiders. And so we each sort of, I feel like, look at each other and, and feel like, okay, I, I feel like at some point I could try to understand you if I just studied you long enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're squaring each other up. I only ask That's because right. you just seem really pleasant. So, um, <laughs> now we touched on this uh, a little bit, but, um, can, do you think, solo and small firm lawyers handle e-discovery mostly in-house? And if so, to what extent can they manage that? I mean, somebody who, who, who has looked into it a little bit at least. Yeah, it's a good question because um, and, and we see it quite a bit. We see – we talk to a lot of attorneys who – you know, we'll say to them, we'll meet them at a conference or something. And we'll say, well, how are you dealing with, with this today? And they'll say, well, we just kind of try to deal with it on our own. And, you know, I have some people on my staff who are, who are pretty good at, you know, dealing with computers. And so, uh, and, you know, if you're talking about smaller cases, that's probably okay. Um, mm-hmm. It still is probably a good idea to learn some of the terminology and, and learn a little bit about the processes and best practices. And, and uh, so, you know, reading somebody like Craig Ball is really good for that. Yeah. Where it gets real tricky in a hurry is once you start getting uh, anything beyond a few hundred or maybe a thousand documents. I mean, once you get to that level, it starts to get hard to deal with it completely in-house unless you've gone out and invested in e-discovery software. Ah, uh, Yeah. And if you've done that, then you still can do it probably in-house or you could maybe, you know, you could go with a cloud service provider um, who provides uh, an e-discovery platform that you could use in the cloud. That's yeah. that's really a good idea to, to think about, especially if you need to have more than one person looking at documents at a time or mm-hmm. you need to be able to do it from uh, a location other than just, say, the office. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's kind of a continuum where you could start you know, doing it in-house and, and trying to figure it out. But you got to make sure you've got the right skill sets on your team and that you can deal with things like what happens if you get a production from opposing counsel where you've got a, a PDFs and inside each PDF are thousands and thousands of documents because they group them all together in a single PDF. Are mm-hmm. you going to be able to uh, do your review efficiently in that single PDF, or are you going to want to split that file up into multiple files and try to manage them separately as their own documents? And do you know how to do that? And so those are the kind of things you're going to have to grapple with if you try to do it all on your own. And so you can quickly get to a point where you might want to bring in somebody uh, outside, a consultant or a service provider who could help you out and deal with those things. You mean like rather than changing your name and moving to Mexico? That's probably a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> There's always now, that option. Yes. yes. Now, now hold the thought on um, vendors and products because we're going to talk about that. But right now we're going to take a break. Um, thanks, Kyle, for an exciting first helping of the Legal Toolkit today. Things have been great so far. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about e-discovery with Kyle Elbert of Foxhound. Now, this is normally the space in our show when we offer words from our sponsors, and this potentially represents a unique opportunity for you. The Legal Toolkit is seeking sponsors. You can hear your advertisement right here instead of me continuing to drone on. If you're interested, contact the team at Legal Talk Network at info at LegalTalkNetwork.com. All right, welcome back. As previously, we are still joined today by Kyle Elbert of Foxhound, and we're talking about ESI, e-discovery, 
and whatever else comes to mind. So, Kaya, let's get back into that question we left off on when we ended the first half of the show. If lawyers can't or even don't want to manage or handle e-discovery in-house, what choices do they have when we're talking about like software or vendors that are out there or t- even tools that they could use? Well, there, like many things in, in the technology world, there's a lot of choices, actually. And, mm-hmm. and I think a good idea to do is if you're thinking about looking for someone to help you out with this, I would recommend sitting down and, and maybe doing a quick 10-minute self-assessment first to figure out what do you actually need. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, maybe uh, you feel fairly comfortable in dealing with all of the aspects of dealing with electronic data, except for you just need a good place to to put the data where it can be accessible to you and your team. And so uh, you might want to just look at somebody who does, who really focuses on uh, cloud hosting for review. And there's a lot of choices out there for that. Um, you can get on Google and search search for that. You can. Um, you can call somebody like me and I can, you know, I mean, we do do that, but we can also point you to other people who do things like that. What we provide on, at our firm is more of a full service uh, capability. Now, yep. some people only need parts of that. But, it, you know, if you look at it and you say, you know, I am just really unsure of how to, to deal with this in any way, shape or form from the beginning when we're identifying and collecting data all the way to the end when we've got to produce documents – I'm really unsure of, of what we're going to do here, and, and I'm really new to this, so I need some help. So somebody like us may be better for you in that situation, somebody who can step in and help you out kind of the whole way through and really hold your hand through the process and, and help you get through it. So it kind of depends on, on what you're looking for. There are still people who are selling you know products that you can buy and install on your computers in your office if you want to go that route, right? And then there's a couple articles out there that talk about how to – how to cobble together some tools to, to let you do e-discovery like on a real tight budget and just do it on your own in-house. Yeah. And so yeah. it kind of really depends on what you're going to need and, and what level of skills you've got on your team at your firm and what you're comfortable doing. And also, frankly, where you think it's better to spend your time. I mean, what I, what I tell a lot of attorneys is, you know, look, you didn't bother – Um, learning how to install a telephone system to set up the telephones in your office. Uh, You paid, you paid an expert to come in and and do that for you so that your time could be freed up to focus on practicing law. And so I kind of look at some of this as the same kind of thing is, you know, it's probably a better idea to let an expert come in and act as part of your team, but somebody who can kind of go away when you don't need them anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And I think it depends on the personality of the attorney too. You got a lot of attorneys who are comfortable being that sort of DIY person. And then you get attorneys who mm-hmm. want to farm it out for whatever reason. They don't like it or they find their billable time more valuable. So right, exactly. let's continue that riff of vetting uh, of a service provider. Like say you want to go with a service provider, like a full scale service provider. How would you vet that company as a lawyer? So I actually tell people there's a few questions that you should ask. Um, I mean, the first thing is, you know, you, you should talk to them. You should pick up the phone and call them or, or have them call you. I wouldn't just look at their, their website. You know, as we all know, I mean, everybody's going to try to paint themselves in the best possible picture on their, on their website. But talk to them. Talk to somebody there and find out a little bit more about them. So some of the questions you would want to ask them are things like, uh, what are your areas of expertise or or what services do you provide, right? Because like I said, some places only really focus on providing the hosting service. 
And, um, and that's fine if that's all you need. But if you're going to need more than that, if you're going to need some help at some point, then you might not want to go with somebody like that. Because if you get to a point where you need help, say, crafting your search strategy to try to find some particular set of documents, well, that serv- service provider isn't going to be able to help you with that. So talk to them and, and figure out what do they do and, and where's their level of expertise and do they offer consulting for helping you out with some of the more difficult parts of the, of the process. Mm-hmm. And then um, ask them what their pricing model is. There's a lot of different pricing models from different e-discovery vendors. And some of them, I, I frankly, I will say, I don't know if they're trying to make it less transparent than it than it. <laughs> Ought to be, but but sometimes it's hard to understand. I guess you know when when someone tells you that it's going to be a certain number of dollars per gigabyte. Well, I, I don't know how helpful that is when you have no idea how many gigabytes of data you're you're looking at in mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. So um, so if, so find out what their pricing model is, and I think more importantly than that, ask them to provide you with some examples of how their pricing model would work in certain cases. And in particular, if you already kind of have a case in mind, which is usually when attorneys are looking for help with this stuff, yeah, is when, they, yeah. when they have a need for it, you know, give them some of the particulars of your case and say, okay, in this case, I think it's going to go for this many months. I think I'm going to have this many people reviewing documents. I think we're going to have roughly this much data or roughly this many documents that we're going to need to review. You know, ask them to give you some idea of how their pricing model would end up pricing out for that service. Yeah, so it sounds um, to me like the best approach is to talk to the provider before you jump in on a contract, which probably makes sense generally if it's a small enough company. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you should be able to talk to somebody there. And if, you know, really, if they're one of the big guys, you're probably not going to be using them as a, as a small, if you're in a small yeah. firm. Yeah, yeah. Um, We've had clients come to us and say, well, we talked to, you know, one of the big guys first and they said it was going to be $150,000 minimum. And I said, okay. (laughs) And they said, you know, well, that's not going to work for us. And I said, no, I can understand why. So, (laughs) um, so some of the big guys, you know, they're dealing with massive cases and and they're just not structured to help smaller firms. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about the pricing a little bit then. We've been sort of uh, coming around to the issue, but just how expensive were we talking like, and if a small firm or a solar attorney has like sticker shock, mm-hmm. how are, how could they potentially reduce the cost of an e-discovery process? Well, so there's there's a few things you can do. And one thing, and this is why it's important to talk to somebody up front and kind of figure out what their model is, but also what they're offering. Because one of the things we do at Foxhound is we actually work with our clients to try to help them reduce the cost because we know that it's a it's a burden. I mean, in a small firm, or maybe you're even a solo practitioner, you know, your clients may not be that big and they may not have huge pocketbooks and they're going to feel the pain if you come to them and say, look, you're already spending all this money in this lawsuit and now I'm going to have to ask you to increase the budget on this because I'm going to bring in this outside company to help out with the e-discovery parts of this. So Mm -hmm. we try to help with that. We'll actually talk with our clients' clients and explain to them you know, what we're going to be doing in the case. And one of the things, you know, that sometimes helps the clients, the end clients understand is uh, uh, our clients, the attorneys will say to them, look, you can either pay me at my hourly rate to be sifting through all these documents in kind of a manual <laughs> process, or yeah. we can bring in these guys at Foxhound and we can make the process a lot more streamlined and help us do some efficient searches through all this data. And that's a lot more cost effective than having me and my staff go through it 
you know, by hand. So, yeah. so yeah. that's one thing. And, and so what, you know, what we try to do is we try to help them uh, identify the most efficient ways to collect the data from their clients and not collect too much data. You know, one of the things that drives the cost up is when you get a ton of data that isn't relevant to the case. And yeah. um, so if you can figure out how to identify as best you can what data is really going to be relevant to the case and then try to reduce that down to just the, the set of documents that uh, the attorney and his staff need to be able to review, that'll help reduce the cost. And then there's some yeah. other things you can do when it comes to production options. We try to encourage our clients to negotiate with the opposing counsel up front, which is something you should always do in one of these cases, is work out with the opposing counsel at the beginning how you're going to do things like productions and what format you're going to use and things like that. And we always recommend that they try to shoot for producing in native format or at least mostly in native, uh, which means the original form of the documents as they existed on the computers. Um, Instead of, uh, you know, what people used to do was they would just say, well, we're going to we're going to turn everything into a TIFF image or everything into a PDF. And that can drive up the cost as well because now, you know, you're, you or somebody, either your e-discovery provider or your staff are going to have to work the computer and get all those documents converted. And that can take mm-hmm. a lot of time and that can cost money. So Yeah, those are, those are great points, I think. And, and the point of lawyers having to sell service providers to their clients a lot of times is sort of an undercovered issue, I think. So let me ask you this, like Foxhound, how did you come up with that name? Did you guys get drunk watching Downton Abbey one night or something? <laughs> well, the Foxhound, it turns out, is the state dog of Virginia, and we are headquartered uh-huh. in Virginia. Um, and, you know, a Foxhound is a, is a hunting dog, and they used, used to be used, obviously, as the name suggests, for hunting foxes. And so mm-hmm. uh, we thought the, the idea of trying to find an elusive animal that's good at hiding. You know, we thought that related well to kind of what you're doing sometimes in, in e-discovery where you're searching for some, some documents that may be hard to find. So Yeah, there you go. Well played. I don't know what the state dog of Massachusetts is, but now I feel inadequate. I'm going to have to go <laughs> Google that. So let's have one more question here. There's potentially a lot of moving parts in any e-discovery process, and I know there's no such thing as sort of a typical e-discovery process, but from a, from a data management standpoint, like what are the major components that attorneys are trying to discover during e-discovery action? Is it, is it mostly emails these days? Is it like social media information? What are you seeing? So it's, it's all the above. I mean, it is still largely email. So in most yeah. civil litigation, you're talking about you're usually dealing with companies and you're dealing with the employees of those companies. Although that's not always the case necessarily either. We've had clients who've come to us for um, divorce cases where there's maybe a, a large asset involved that's being disputed. So email is still the, the biggest by far. It is starting to become more common that things like social media are being requested uh, in cases. You know, if maybe there's, a, for example, one of our clients – it's a defamation case against one of a couple of the big TV networks. And so, mm-hmm. um, and social media is a big part of that case. So there's a lot of social media there, but also the emails that were kind of being passed back and forth behind the scenes amongst the team before those social media posts were being posted, you know, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, I, a lot of it, you know, really is, um, like I said, sitting down at the beginning and thinking about and and having you have to do this with your client. You really have to sit down and think about what are all the potentially relevant pieces of data that we need to try to gather uh, related to this case. Whether that's you know could be paper documents in some cases. There's still some paper 
out there. Uh, email will probably be a big part of it. But you need to think about things like text messages and social media and, you know, voicemails even. Yeah. Uh, you know, things like we're using Skype today to do this podcast. So, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that digital evidence can be created. And so you have to sit down early in the case and try to identify all that. And then, and then thinking about, you know, where all that is being stored, you know, because now what we're dealing with in a lot of cases is uh, companies are, are storing more and more data in with cloud service providers. And so it's not even yeah. on premises at the company anymore. And so you have to think through that and how difficult is that going to be to collect that data and and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, lots of challenges, clearly. But it sounds like yeah. for attorneys who want to reduce the cost or make it a more streamlined process, the best thing is to, to do is to start doing a little bit of the legwork on their own first. Yeah, we see a lot of attorneys who get in a mess in a hurry because they didn't do quite enough thinking about it early on. And I and you know I get it. We're all busy, and you know as as attorneys, you're especially attorneys at small firms, you're you're usually juggling twenty eight different balls in the air at the same time. And so it can be hard to carve out time early in a case when there's nothing really pressing happening in that case. It can be hard to carve out the time to really think through all these issues, but it really does help a lot. Yeah. So uh, for those interested, the state dog of Massachusetts is the Boston Terrier, which is my bad, totally. I should have known Makes that. Sense. Other infamous state dogs, the Blue Lacey of Texas. <laughs> And the American Water Spaniel of Wisconsin. Um. All right. Well, even even the most eventful podcasts on eDiscovery have to come to an end, unfortunately. Uh, so it's time for us to wrap this up, Kyle. We've reached the end of this episode of the Legal Toolkit. But you can still check out all of our shows anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thank you, Kyle Alberta, Foxhound Information Management, for taking the time to come by the virtual studio today to talk about eDiscovery. So, Kyle, finally, can you tell our listeners where they might be able to find out more about you and about Foxhound? Sure. So, uh, the best place to learn more about Foxhound is to go to our website, which is fxhnd.com. We couldn't get any vowels there in the, uh, in the Foxhound <laughs> domain. And on Twitter, we, we love Twitter, so our Twitter handle is at foxhoundllc. Um, my personal Twitter account is uh, at kylealbert95, which is the year I graduated uh, college. There you go. Thanks, Kyle. Um, so play a little Wheel of Fortune. Check out Foxhound's website. And uh, we will talk to you again next month. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. We'll chat soon. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast, covering the current business trends for law firms. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.